What's going on, United Podcast Experience listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the United Podcast Experience. Today on the line, we have Kyle Capone. He just had a new startup company. I won't go too deep into it because I think it's an interesting concept. And uh, he also had a book, which we're going to touch on, too, that really got him to that next step. That's a little clue. Without further ado, I'm going to Kyle introduce himself, though. Hey, everybody. My name is Kyle Rapone. I'm the founder of To The Next Step LLC, an educational coaching services company. And basically what we do is we inspire and educate students to prepare for the next steps in life. Uh, so that could be entering high school, choosing a college, uh, selecting the right college for yourself, applying to college, going through the college experience, and then, of course, preparing for and entering the workforce. And, uh, you know, we'll get into kind of how I started all that, but we offer a number of services, uh, coaching services, one-on-one student coaching, on-demand courses, of course, my book, and last but not least, I'm also a youth motivational speaker. So I talk to high schools, colleges, different events, conferences, churches, again, really just kind of honing in on making sure that students understand what's coming next in life so they can live a life of of, of passion, of purpose, and, and really one of fulfillment. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of me at a high level. That's great, man. I think we'll, uh, we'll, we'll begin with how you started with more of the the uh, the book in the background. So we'll start with the book in the background. To, to the next step book, what was that about? What was really the uh, turning point of uh, that process to help you make the company? Sure. So really what happened was um, I started as a motivational speaker roughly about two years ago. Uh, right. And basically that came from, so I'll kind of back up a little bit. Uh, so basically I worked in corporate America for about 10 years. Um, and I worked with a number of different people of different kind of backgrounds, ages, races, religions, you know, a real melting pot. So I really got to know a lot of different people as I worked in different industries and different companies. But yet, no matter how different these coworkers were in their backgrounds, they all had something in common, or at least most of them did. And a lot of them seemed to be very dissatisfied with where they ended up in life, with the type of life they were living, with the type of career they had created for themselves. And, uh-huh. it's, you know, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about people who maybe had a bad day at work or people who right, kind right. of were grumpy or disliked their job. It was deeper than that. It was really a dissatisfaction with the life they were living. And I, I found it very kind of sad and also very disturbing that so many people would literally spend Monday through Thursday wishing it was Friday. Um, and then, you know, getting to Friday and kind of escaping into the weekend, and they were escaping really from this reality that they found themselves in. So I began to research this and dig into this and I researched, you know, a number of college graduates. I created a survey. I talked to college graduates, current students, um, older generational, you know, people who kind of were working with these new graduates but also kind of talking about their own experiences when they entered the real world. And I came to the realization that the reason that so many people are unhappy with their current life or unhappy with where they ended up is because they weren't ready for it. They didn't understand what being an adult was going to be like, what entering the workforce was going to be like. So they kind of put off these difficult decisions and took the easy road and got into this mindset of, I'll figure it out later. So when later came, they were thrown into a world they knew nothing about. They were forced to take a job they, they, they didn't know anything about and they didn't really like. And they ended up living a life that you know they never really intended on living. So I started to develop a motivational speaking course. My idea was I'm going to talk to high school and college students I'm going to talk about this, and I'm going to prepare them for the real world. And that was it. That was that was my goal. I was going to be a speaker. I was going to be a professional speaker. But 
I also said to myself, I said, make sure, you know, Kyle, you have an open mind because you don't know where this journey is going to take you. If you've decided to take something else on like this, something that's a little outside the box, a little unique, make sure you have an open mind. And, and I always have tried to do that. So I began the process a couple of years ago. I did a ton of outreach. And I was getting a lot of positive feedback from people I was talking to one-on-one. I was talking yes. to educators. I was talking to people like yourself, um, students, graduates. So I knew I was on the right path, but I was just having a lot of difficulty getting into schools because they didn't really know who I was. I was going up against more seasoned speakers. Um, There was not a lot of budget for speakers. If there is budget, it's easier to get it approved for a speaker who might be talking about bullying or drugs as opposed to someone like me who's talking about something that's a little more open-ended. You know, for example, if, if you're a speaker who talks about bullying, you don't have to convince the school you're pitching to that bullying is an issue. We all agree it already is. So the hard part's already done. Where me, mm-hmm. I go into a pitch call, and I have to convince them that this is an issue. So that's a big obstacle that's sometimes very difficult to get over. So about a year ago, a little more, I decided that I'm going to write a book. Um, because I've always been a good writer. Uh, it's, it is, I wouldn't say it's easy to write a book. It was very difficult. But it's easier to get published than it was 10 years ago. So for me, I decided I'm going to write a book because I have a lot to say. I had a lot of just random blog posts that were even unpublished, just a lot of my thoughts. And I said, I'm going to write a book because if I write this book and I sell it to students, then I'm speaking to them. If I sell 100 books, then I'm speaking 100 times at once. And now my book is being passed along. It's being given around friends. It's being passed you know, through schools. And it's something that I'm now taking control of my message. Because if I wait to get booked, then I'm giving someone else the power to give me permission to speak. So I started with my book last year. I wrote it in about six months because at the time I was still working in a full-time job. And I still do work, um, you know, here and there, kind of in the project management marketing world, um, you know, as I make this transition into a full-time business owner. And for me, I wrote the book, you know, and now it's on sale. It's available at my website, which we'll get to later on. But the book was something that I wanted to give to students. I wanted a high school student or college student to really take this journey with me. It's 10 chapters. It's very easy to read, easy to consume. And we start from the beginning. We talk about the part of life that you don't see coming, this you know, part of life of being in the real world and being an adult. We talk about why you should care. We talk about becoming the type of person you want to become. We talk about, you know, we're going to high school, we're going to college, and, and those chapters are really specific. We go through every year of high school and college, and I give the reader goals. I give them goals to achieve. I explain why the goals are important. Um, so they really feel as if, you know, they have to do the work, but they have guidance. They have somebody who, you know, is outside of the classroom, is outside of their school. You know, it's a new voice they don't hear every day, and they have somebody who's been there before, you know, also somebody who has talked to other people who have been there before and is really giving them, you know, concrete advice and things to do to prepare themselves for entering college, applying to college, or making the most of their college experience. And then, you know, we we have a chapter about graduation and preparing for the real world, and we have a chapter about, you know, entering your first job and workplace professionalism. And it's really just kind of a guidebook. And it's something that I think I've gotten positive feedback from a lot of students because it's it's not fluff. Um, it's not all, you know, a bed of roses. Um, I think a lot of motivational speakers will tell you how wonderful you are, but they won't tell you 
how to get how to get to the next step. They won't tell you how to actually achieve something attainable. They'll just tell you that you can do anything you want. Okay, great, but how do I start? Well, they don't necessarily do that, and that's what I try to accomplish with my book. Um, so now that's out, and now it's something that yeah, I sell it. Yeah, it makes money, um, but it's really the first step now in kind of this customer funnel. So if we're kind of shifting a little bit to the business conversation of it, it's something that I can offer at a discount to get someone to sign up for my coaching services, or I can send, for example, I just sent it out to a few principals um, with a little note saying, hey, let's talk. And I think it's something that can kind of start that conversation. And it's, you know, here's my message in a nutshell. Let's talk about how we can kind of personalize this, either for you as an individual, for your child, if you're a parent, or how do we, you know, maybe put together some sort of like a classroom workshop for your students if, if you're a principal. So that was kind of the genesis of the book. And after I laid out this entire process, that's when I said, okay, I said I should, can take this now and create a coaching program to really dive deep and talk to individual students. Um, so that's what I've been doing. Interesting, man. Now you have you have an interesting story, right? Because you started, like you said, in that corporate world. Then you got unhappy. Was like, I see other people unhappy. Took a vision, took a little leap. And that's what it all is. Sometimes take a leap of faith, help the students out, and it'll come back around. You're working with the next generation of kids. Uh, before I get into the company, what what are some things you noticed though, as far as the kids you've been interviewed? So you interviewed kids. Is there anything uh, in specific that really uh, you can hone in on for the company now when it comes to the coaching program co- uh, classes to make sure they can get to the next level themselves? Yeah, I think a couple things that always strike me when I talk to current students, because sometimes I'll talk to them after a speaking engagement. Right, right. Uh, I'll talk to them. Uh, at, uh, for example, I spoke at a high school in New York last year. I'd actually just had like three classroom workshops back to back to back, and it was it was one of the best events I did because it was, it was intimate and, and they were really into it. And I got a lot of positive feedback. They actually collected like 20 of the best quotes and sent them to me. And I think a lot of it, one of the surprising things was a lot of students right now feel stressed um, and, and very anxious and feel like they're um, up against it at a very, very young age and they have to figure out what they want to do with life and go to a good college and make a lot of money because the real world is scary and expensive and, and, and complicated and I, you know, I have to make sure that I'm picking a career that's, you know, stable for the next 30 years. And to me, I think that that's, you know, first of all, very worrisome because, yes, yeah. I, I challenge high school students to start to become more mature. I think at an earlier age, I think it's important to take control of your future, but they're still kids in some way. You know, like you can't necessarily say that – you can't – look at a 15-year-old and say, hey, it's time to be an adult. I think it's time to be um, serious about your future. I, I think you can enjoy being a teenager and still take your schoolwork seriously. I think those two can go hand in hand. But I don't right, think absolutely. you're super stressed about the rest of your life at that age. So, you know, when I coach students at that young age, it's it's really about kind of, you know, calming them down, you know, letting them know that you can't be worried about your 30s right now because it's going to take away from focusing on, what you need to do present day. But I do a lot of just making sure that they understand that, you know, here's what I want you to do in your second semester or second quarter of sophomore year. And if you do this, then it's going to lead to, you know, this. And if you do that, then it's going to lead to this. And kind of giving them a roadmap and a very easy way to understand that, yes, you're worried about your 20s. Well, if you do this, these three things over the next 10 years, then you're going to be okay. 
So I think that's one thing that I've I've noticed is really this kind of anxiety and stress with the younger generation. Um, as far as, you know, college students, I, I get a lot of, um, you know, thinking about the workforce and thinking about, you know, how am I going to get a job and is what I'm is what I'm studying right now relevant and just kind of helping them understand that, again, it's about a mindset. It's about having a mindset of, you know, every day doing your best, working towards a certain type of person you want to become, working towards a certain type of life that you want to build, and knowing that if you make those small changes every day, if you make those right decisions every day, if you're working towards something specific, um, you are going to be okay. Like when you enter the workforce, you're going to be fine. And and being prepared for the workforce is not complicated. There's just things that you need to accomplish. There's steps you need to take. So mm-hmm. I think it's about kind of calming some of these students down a little bit. And as far as, you know, the graduates are concerned, I think the biggest thing I see from graduates is a lot of them just kind of say, you know, I went to college and I graduated on time, but I don't feel like I learned anything. And mm. they're not blaming the institution. I think that's important. I don't think... A lot of these students don't blame the school. That's the key thing. I don't blame the school for the issues that are happening. I certainly don't blame the teachers. A lot of these students that graduate admit to me that they probably were taught a lot of this stuff, but they didn't listen. They weren't paying attention. They didn't take it seriously. And there's a lot of things about being prepared for the workforce that college teachers are not responsible for. You know, a teacher who's teaching history or business or education isn't responsible to teach you how to answer emails, how to dress appropriately, how to, you know, resolve conflict. It's on you to understand that these networking events that the school is putting on, that career center that has that huge staff, that, you know, those internships that you can be taking, it's on you to learn these things, to ask these questions. So I think that's something that I try to take from graduates who are saying, you know, I didn't put in enough energy, I didn't put in enough time, I... I regret how I wasted that time taking that and presenting this to the students and saying, hey, like these students were good students, but they didn't do the things they needed to do because they didn't understand. You know, a lot of times you're not going to do, you know, if you don't understand why you have to do something, you're probably not going to do it. You know, so if I, if I give you a great opportunity, but I don't explain how it's going to help you, you're probably not going to do it because to you it's not a great opportunity. Like I know it's a great opportunity because I've been there. So I took advantage right. of it already. But if I go to you and I say, you should go to this event and walk away, they're going to be like, well, why would I want to go to that event? But what you don't understand is if you go to this event, you can meet five people, and those five people can get you a job. So it's really about kind of connecting the dots and and taking a lot of this information that I I have and and giving it to these students. So I think that's a lot of of what I see. And, again, and whenever I coach students or do interviews, you know, I'm I'm meticulous in my database. I'm meticulous in doing my research because – I learn something from students, and then I start, you know, somebody may say, I had this issue, and then I'll ask 10 people in my network, did you have this issue? And if none of them say yes, well, then I kind of incorporate incorporate that into my message. So it's it's kind of always evolving, and I think that's where the real value comes in. It's, it's, a, it's a process, right? I think you summed it up well. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting that sometimes, I know you're, it's, it's kind of ironic, you know, take to the next step, but sometimes take a step back, too, because especially with the next generation coming up, they've got a lot of expectations, a lot of goals, a lot of dreams, but they don't know where to lead to. So it's, it's important to take that step back. And then, as you said, with some of the graduates, some of the people in college, it's still stressful, uh, but it's really about putting in the work. And I think putting in the time, that will get you further for sure. 
Um, yeah, so, absolutely. You know, 100%. So, so now we kind of get to this, uh, your, the business here. You've been through corporate, you've been through the ringer, as they say. Now you're having to start. What are some differences you see? Maybe you know some startup culture versus corporate culture. You want to talk a little bit about that and how you're going to change the game when it comes to that? Sure. So I think first I'll kind of talk about my own experience and the difference between corporate culture and kind of startup culture. So from what I've experienced, when you work for these large companies um, that are maybe have older executives that are more traditional, um, the pros and cons of it is, you know, the pro is you're hoping in most cases that, you know, you know that the company's established, the product is selling well, you're always the company's always going to be making money, so you can feel relatively secure in that job, um, as opposed to a startup where it's new, it's a new idea, and if they hit a rough patch, you, you might lose your job. So that's kind of the con of it at times. But the pro on the other side is a lot of times startups care more about your output than anything else. So you could show up to work in you know jeans, you know nice jeans, but you could show up in jeans, you could show up in a polo. Um, nobody's watching their clocks. If you show up at 9.15 instead of 9 o'clock, it's probably not a big deal. Um, you probably get, you know, some more time off, which is good to recharge your batteries. Uh, as opposed to some of these old-school companies, it's, you know, you got to be in at 8, you got to be in at 9, uh, dress clothes. And i got to tell you, when you're dressing up every day and never seeing any clients, it kind of drags on you. When you're, like... When you're dressing up in a dress shirt and dress pants and dress shoes every single day and you're never seeing a customer and you're never taking a meeting with somebody that doesn't work in your office, it is a drag and it is kind of unnecessary. You get a little frustrated with it. So that's kind of the pros and cons and and what I've noticed between the two. Now, for myself, you know, the word startup is interesting. I think in a lot of ways I'm probably not considered a, a traditional startup simply because I don't face a lot of the issues that a lot of startups face. So I think it's important that you know I give these traditional real startups a lot of credit because when you are a startup, you're dealing with you know cash flow issues. You're trying to get investors, and then once investors give you money, you know, and it's a lot of money. I mean, an investor could give you a million dollars, but then you have to show that investor, here's how I'm going to double your money, or here's what we're doing to grow, and you have to justify spending that money if you want to spend it on something. Um, you know, a lot of times these startups have, you know, staff, full-time staff that's counting on them for that weekly paycheck, or they have a building that they have to pay rent on. So there's a lot that goes into that that I don't have to deal with because I'm, you know, my own company. I work out of my house. Um, I don't have any full-time employees. So I have a lot of those benefits. So I can't necessarily say that I'm, you know, a true, true startup. Um, but one of the things that I can talk to when, you, when you know, starting your own business or your own entity is that you are your you are on your own so you are everything like you wear all the hats so you are the you know the i mean i I absolutely don't consider myself a ceo but for the for this analogy you know you are the ceo but you're also the you know the chief finance officer you're also the operations manager you're the marketing manager you're the it guy you're the everyone yeah you know you're everything like you know, I will tell you this, and people probably think this is weird, but every Monday morning, um, whether I'm in my office or whether I'm driving to one of my contract jobs, I have a staff meeting, believe it or not, with myself. And I basically treat it as if there's, you know, the head of each department, and I'm sure. asking each head where we're at. 
and I'm talking to myself. And I know that probably sounds crazy to a lot of people, especially if people don't do, you know, what I do. But right, right. it's incredibly useful for me because I'm literally forcing myself to talk about each part of the business. And I'm having a conversation as if I was having a conference call with another person. And I know that sounds very odd, but if you are a business owner, if you are wearing a lot of hats, I would challenge you to, to practice this, you know, for at least three Mondays in a row. And I think that you'll find that it's incredibly useful. But I'm, you know, I'm, I am on my own in a sense. Now I have people who work for me. I have a graphic designer, I have a strategist, a public relations rep, and a web developer. Um, but again, those people are not full time. I, I contract those people out. We have an agreed contract. So that has its own challenges because if I want them to do something, it's not like I can get it done within the hour. They'll get it done later that evening when they get out of their job or when they're done with their tasks. And if you're like, for example, you know, there was a time um, when I was dealing with my graphic designer, I was doing my web developer, and they had to kind of work with each other, and I was the middleman, and one person would, you know, my designer would submit something, and then, you know, eight hours later, my developer would get to it and say, this isn't the right size. And then we lost the whole day because the designer was already done for the day or whatnot. So there's a lot of that that I think is really important because I think it's really romantic to have this idea that you want to start your own business or you want to, you know, change the world. And I'm all for it. But I think it's important to understand that it's difficult. Um, it's very lonely sometimes. And it takes a long time. Um, I was kind of, you know, for about two years trying to build this thing, not making any money, spending my own money on different things. And if I didn't believe strongly in the vision, I probably would have packed it up. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, if you're working a full-time job that is quote-unquote safe, though I don't think any job is safe anymore, and I'll explain why in a minute. But if yeah. you're working a job and, and you believe it's to be safe, if you start to try to do your own thing, and you're six months in and you've spent, you know, five, six, seven hundred dollars on different things that you needed for that business and it doesn't work out, it's very easy to close the laptop and walk away because nobody's really going to blame you. Um, I don't think anybody, you know, a lot of people aren't even going to remember that you did it. So that's very tempting. So you really need to believe uh, in what you're doing. And I really believe in what I'm doing. It's very personal for me because um, not only do I want to inspire students to be prepared for the real world, I also want to create something that allows me to have a flexible career where I don't have to sit in an office all day, where I don't have to do certain things all day. Uh, so that's kind of something that drives me. So if you're thinking about or if you're in the middle of creating your own entity or creating your own products, um, just be crystal clear on what that vision is and why you're doing it. Because um, I, I, I see some people who, you know, like for example, I see a lot of times, um, you know, entrepreneurs who create something and then sell it, right? Uh -huh. They create a business and they sell it. And I, and I think that's great. If that's what you want to do, I'm all for it. I'm not critical of that. But that's difficult for me because if you're looking to sell something, how passionate about it are you? Like, yeah. For me, like I would never not that anyone would want to buy this business because it's not that's not how this business works, but like I would never sell this business. I mean, it was just why would I? Because this is my passion, this is what I want to build. Um so I think it's really difficult if you're going into it and saying not impossible because a lot of people do it, but if you're if you're going into it just because, oh, I want to build something and then, you know, sell it to Google for, you know, a billion dollars and, and you know, live on a yacht for the rest of my life. Well, 
All right, but you're going to have to, you know, I don't know if that passion is going to drive you through the dark times. I don't know if money alone can drive you through um, the dark times that come with, you know, being an entrepreneur, that come with being, you know, a small business owner. Because it is, I mean, it's it's very lonely at times because you don't really have a lot of people who understand what you're going through. They may support you, but they don't really understand. Yeah, it's 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 a lonely grind, as they say. But I think the one, like you said, the one advantage you did see, though, is you do have the flexibility, right? You do have the ability to not uh, worry so much on the sense of, oh, I have a structured, disciplined schedule. It, it, it is, you're just disciplined at times, like you said. But the fact is you do have that flexibility. And then the conference call with yourself, that is an interesting concept, right? Everyone talks about uh, they do – and then they have their own phone call they record. They never share it to the world. They have database files and all this. But that's an interesting one because you're you're basically 100 different hats you're wearing or more, it seems like. Sometimes you're wearing 100 different hats, it seems. And to get all those hats in order, the only logistical way other than writing it down is having a conference call yourself, in a sense, and giving that that uh, Elias to say, okay, well, here's, Here's what I want done this week or X, Y, and Z or whatever, how many years you ever you want to keep the vision. And when you get that done, you can do that a couple of consistencies in a week, couple of consistently in a week. You find that it's probably more valuable than talking to someone else because you you don't have to worry now about you don't have to really worry about a second opinion other than the fact that it goes on your own head. And you can probably be more productive in a sense that you're staying consistent, disciplining yourself in case something does go wrong. You have more of a chance to get it back and catch it back and let it slip for more years. That's interesting. Yeah, no, I, 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 it's definitely been, it's definitely something that's been working for me. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you mentioned that one comment, uh, no job is safe. Can you just elaborate on that? Maybe some research you have behind the scenes to just to back that up. Sure. So I, I think, you know, it's not so much about stone cold research. I think that, the idea that a job is safe or a company is safe um, is a little bit of a myth. And I, I'm not saying not trust your employer, but I think right. that, you know, our parents grew up in an age where you worked for a company for 40 years and they were loyal to you. And we don't see that anymore. Um, I think the biggest thing is, you know, you see from time to time that Amazon lays people off, uh, which is insanity because Amazon is wildly, you know, profitable. Um, yeah. You know, there's, you know, there's a there's a billion dollar organization called World Wrestling Entertainment, a professional wrestling company, and they're, you know, a billion dollar, you know, global company, and they lay people off sometimes, which again, that's insanity to me because your profits are are massive. But, um, you know, for me personally, I've been laid off twice, and each time I, with the same conversation, you know, this is not due to performance. You know, we just can't afford to keep this position on, and if you can, if you can lose your job because someone else messed up their numbers, that's something that's a little concerning to me. Yeah. Because both times I was laid off, somebody messed up the numbers. Because, I mean, they just they didn't forecast a dip in sales, and now they have to lay off several people. And, you know, that's poor management to me. That's my opinion. And I think that's important. And I think that's why, you know, if you are truly passionate about your job, then you should absolutely stay in it. I don't, I don't believe in this idea that everyone should quit their job and everyone should be an entrepreneur. That's not true because this life isn't for everybody. Um, but for me, 
you know, I'm not putting my fate in someone else's hands anymore. I'm not putting the fate of my family in someone else's hands. I'm not going to build a career that could be taken away from me because, you know, sales are down this quarter. So I think if, if the only reason you're not venturing on your own is because you think you have a safe job, you know, my response would be you don't. Um, and I think you owe it to yourself. If you truly think you have an idea or a product, uh, you should owe, you should, you should you owe it to yourself to at least explore it, to build it out, to see what you can do, even if it's just a side hustle, um, because I think you'd be much more satisfied doing that. Um, you know, some people say to me, oh, I have a good job at a good company. But, you know, if sales, no, no. you know, yeah, I mean, if sales dip for the next year, you could be gone. I mean, it's it's possible. We see it a lot. Um, so there really is no such thing as, you know, a safe job. There's good jobs and there's great companies and there's companies that you can definitely grow at. But always kind of have, you know, always put yourself first. I always tell people that and always kind of have one eye open. Um, and if somebody wants to talk to you about a better opportunity, you know, you should definitely listen. Um, and I think that's kind of my advice on that topic. That's good, man. No, uh, would you now, now, when you talk to students, do you say something along those lines, or how do you uh, approach that when a student comes up to you or you work with them one-on-one? I tend to try not to necessarily broach that topic uh, with a student because, you know, when you're working with someone, you know, when you're working with a teenager, um, you don't necessarily right. want to talk about, you know, you can be laid off at any time because they're already dealing with so much. Okay. Um, I try to I try to prepare them for that without even telling them that that happens. So what I try to do is I try to make sure that you have um, you create a you create a mindset in a student where they're always looking for new opportunities and they're always looking to learn. Because what I'll do is I'll work with a college student and I'll make sure they're taking multiple internships. I also make sure that they're creating relationships in those internships. So they're right. with people of LinkedIn, keeping in touch with them, getting reference letters making sure they're always learning new skills. So if, so if three or four years in the workforce are laid off, now all of a sudden they have a network of 20 people to call on because they've developed a mindset where everywhere they go, they're always looking for new people to connect with. They're always looking for people on LinkedIn to connect with. They're always asking questions. So when they get laid off, they can turn around and email 20 people and say, hey, I'm looking for a job. Or they can update their resume and say, hey, this is what I did over the last three years because I, I was always trying to learn. I was always building new skills. So it's like I prepare these students for the day they could lose their job without telling them that it's coming because I'm not going to tell them it's coming because it's scary. And also it might never happen. I mean, let me be clear. Right, right. Yeah. We'll never get laid off. But I think that it's not about being prepared for getting laid off. It's about making yourself the most valuable employee possible, Make, you know, being as smart as possible, as knowledgeable as possible, having a massive network, a massive set of skills. So if something bad does happen, you have the skills to fall back on, you have the network to out, reach out to. So, you know, it's more about kind of preemptive measures and it's really about creating, you know, a, a mindset and kind of creating value for yourself. Right. And I think the one thing we didn't mention is you can have a stable job and still do a side hustle. That's the great thing about today's day and age. You can uh, still network, right? You can create yourself with Uber. You can... Uh, Uber, Lyft, whatever. Uh, you can do so many small things, right, to really help yourself just by at your own home or, you know, in your own car. So you can do so many small things while having the stability to uh, go out there and explore. It's pretty cool, yeah, especially for the newer people. Like some, I guess you could say like the college graduates who maybe are starting to 
question it or uh, maybe close to getting laid off, maybe I could see them uh, either having that big network or say I can start something through the experience. But for the, the generation like Z and people who are just graduating now, it's important to build opportunities, 100%. Um, so my next thing is, when it comes to PD, personal development, what, what is your approach on that and how you develop personally and how you're going to uh, incorporate that with your students? Sure. So for myself, I'm always trying to develop um, a lot of my skills because I'm always trying to make sure that I'm on top of my game with time management, with priority, um, with kind of my own anxiousness, you know, my own anxiety of running a business because nobody's, you know, nobody's perfect. So of course. For, you know, for me, I have something called the best your best year ever journal. It's a it's a journal that covers an entire year, and it's something that I basically use. Um, you know, it's not you don't have to use it every day, but you basically have your three goals for the for the year, and then you have, you set three goals for the month and three goals for the week. And it kind of talks about how you can re, you know doing things every week helps you reach your monthly goals, which helps you reach your you know annual goals. So I have that journal that keeps me very honest, and I, I list out every week what skills I'm going to work on and what, you know, personal development, uh, you know, platforms or systems or websites or whatever it may be, whatever, what's going to help me with that, right, what's going to help me reach those goals and, and build those skills. So I'm big into podcasts. I'll try to listen to um, personal development podcasts. I'll try to read a few articles. I have – so I have a checklist of what I need to do every day. I have a, a project management software that I use, and I have a checklist um, of what I need to do every day. And every day, there's a little line item that says, read development article. So that means that, you know, I have to find 10 minutes at some point, usually in the morning, to read some sort of, a, you know, development article. So it could be something that will develop one of my skills, something that will develop me as a person, my mentality, or sometimes it's something that will develop my message. Um, I'll read an article that maybe was written by a teacher, you know, to kind of get a little more idea of what's going on in the classroom. So it, it can vary. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go on Feedly, which collects, you know, a, a, you know, hundreds of blogs based on the topics I choose. Um, there's a new site called Vocal. I don't know how new they are anymore, but I've gotten away from Medium um, because they're trying to – Medium is basically trying to charge me money, and I'm just not down with that. So Vocal right. is – and Vocal is also written by – real people. So not every piece is like super polished, but like there's some pretty poor writing, but the ideas are there. And I think it's important that, you know, you don't always have to read something that's crisp as long as you're gaining some sort of an idea out of it. Um, so I'm always trying to work on that. I mean, I'm always trying to me, my biggest thing I'm trying to work on these days is focusing on the day is, is winning the day, um, which sounds very hokey, but if you really break it down, it's about, you know, every Sunday night I list out everything I need to accomplish each day. And that's it. And all I focus on is getting that day done. You know, don't think about uh, what the heck. Don't think about something that needs to get done next week. It's about, you know, what do you need to accomplish to win today? Um, and sometimes it'll be early in the morning and I'll want to get a lot of stuff done. And, and I'll say, you know what, you have the entire day. You know, you need to kind of focus on each one. Um, and sometimes I have to look at something and say, you know, I'm really eager to get that done, but that doesn't have to get done for two weeks. So you need to take it off of your list today because if it's not due for two weeks, you can't do it just to say you got something done because uh -huh. you're taking it from, from something else. So I'm really big on small steps every day. Um, one of the best books I ever read, which I, I recommend to everybody, is called The Compound Effect uh, by Darren Hardy. 
and it basically teaches you how to make small changes every day, and they eventually will lead to very you know, monumental shifts in your mindset and, and who you are as a person. Um, so I think that's my biggest thing. And I try to I try to coach students on that. I try to tell students, you know, it's about creating a new mindset because if you start now, you know, a year from now, you're going to be actively seeking out opportunities. You're going to be actively having conversations with people. You're going to spend more time on LinkedIn than you do on Facebook. And you're going to enjoy that because you're going to be building towards something. That's the biggest thing is what are you building towards? Because my main message which I'm shocked I haven't said this already because I say it every day to anybody who will listen, is that we ask students the wrong question. We ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And what we should be asking, what type of person do you want to become? Because now we're not asking them to pick a job. We're not asking them to pick a career. We are asking them to decide the type of person they want to become and the type of life that they want to live. When you figure that out, then you can everything you do is towards that person. You know, who do I need to talk to today that's going to help me become that person? What events do I need to go to to work on? What skills do I need to improve? What do I need to accomplish this week to become that type of person? I figured out the life I want to live. I want to help these type of people. I want to make this type of impact. What do I have to do to make that happen? And now every day you're getting up and you're excited. And it's no longer, oh, I have to go to class or, oh, I have to go to work. It's okay, I'm ready to go today. I'm going to win the day because I want to be that type of person because I'm excited about it. And I see that shift in certain students after I have conversations with them because now all of a sudden they're excited because they feel like they have control. Because a lot of students feel like they don't have control in their life. They're being forced to go to high school. Some of them feel like they're being forced to go to college, which is insane because college is a massive choice. And we, we have to stop telling kids it's the only next step because you, there are alternatives to college. So they need to understand that they have control. And it's not about going to class. It's about attending a class that's going to help you achieve the life that you want. And when you put it that way and you help them understand that their future is of their own creating, everything changes. So I know that isn't really what you asked, but that's my that's my hallmark. That's my politician pitch. So I had to make sure I got that in there. Well, yeah, actually that was the next thing I was going to ask. I know, I know you talked about this before, that question of, uh, what do you want to do or what do you expect? It's, it's who you want to become. That's a great point. Um, it's interesting, man. You know, especially today, we have the age of social, which we're going to talk about next, which I think is important, uh, social media, that is. Uh, we have so many people giving us advice. Or retaining knowledge, I'm pretty sure it's the fastest race, if not always faster, as we continue to uh, grow with the evolution of technology. So it's easy to analyze. It's easy to easily to get analysis paralysis. It's easy to get overwhelmed. But like you said, if you can ask that simple question, it could make a person's life, right? That could be the reason why that one question can make the person say, okay, I want that change. I want those small wins. And I think ever since humankind has been around, you don't win overnight. You win one, 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 one. You always win one at a time. It's just the way the brain works. It's just the way the human philosophy works because you think you can multitask, but at the end of the day, you can't. You can only do one thing for uh, that certain dedicated amount of time before, you know, you switch eventually and you feel more comfortable. Uh, so that was exactly what I was going to ask and talk about is, like, that question. But do you, you have anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to add about that question before we can move on? About that about social About social media or... I know, but uh, what do you want to become? How do you apply it to any of like any of your other stuff, like college graduates? 
are people who've already graduated that question or are you good? No, I think that's I think that's kind of my broad message and I would you know, if that's something that kind of has right. lit a fire on anybody that's listening, I would, you know, definitely love to continue that conversation. You can you can visit me on my website, which we'll throw in the show notes to talk about in a bit. But um no, I mean I think that's 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 really my what I found works best with students is really motivating them to understand they can take control of their own future. And, uh, you know, if you have, you know, if you have a student in your life that you think needs to hear that message, you know, right. that's contact me and we'll, we'll kind of talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, no, exactly. I think I just want to make sure you have the full pitch so they can get that in there a hundred percent. Now we want to say the social media. It's a, it's an interesting concept, right? We have people saying, uh, you know, you don't exist if you're not on there. It's all about networking, you know, and then there's some people who are just like, let's have fun with it. But what's your what's your take on, what's your opinion on social and how you use it? Then we'll kind of go into what you're going to use and apply with that for solar for students. Yeah, so social media for me, I think, is definitely a given. You have to be on it in some way. Um, I think that you have to understand where your audience is. But I also think that we're getting to a point now where social media is so oversaturated that you can't really rely on it to be your everything. I think you should have um, channels, so if people are searching for you, they can find you. I think you should use it to give away a lot of free content, um, your blogs, your thoughts, your messages. But I would be very weary to say, oh, you have to advertise on these channels, you have to advertise on Facebook, because so many people are doing it now. Um, and it's very easy to spend $100 a day on Facebook and get nothing. Because the other issue is that you know consumers and users are 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 tuning ads out. You know if you if you throw ads at them every day, every third post, if you they're on the, the side scroll and they're on the top, and this is for websites too. You know we're turning them out, and you're getting charged as a company for that impression because yeah it was on the screen, but you didn't register with them. You know you didn't really register with. Um, that consumer because they didn't really see your ad. So I don't use I don't use you know Facebook to advertise. Um, maybe I will someday, but for me it's about getting really unique and really creative because there's just so much advertising out there. Um, for example, what I the advertising I've been doing, um, and I think it's been really useful. I think it's really unique and it kind of plays back into that point you just made about how nothing's been built in a day. So we have a gym um, that I go to. It's about 10 minutes from here. And for a very good rate, I advertise at that gym. My ad is on a couple of the TV screens that are around the gym. Uh, my ad is actually above one of the wipe-down stations. And so, so this was my strategy, and it's working out. What I did was I put an ad above a wipe-down station, and it, that wipe-down station is outside one of the main rooms where they have the classes. Now, why did I do that? Because who takes those classes? Well, stay-at-home moms do. There's data that proves that there's hundreds of stay-at-home moms in the area or moms that work, you know, later hours, whatever they may be, but they're mothers, and they take those classes. So they have students. So they see my ad, and then they call me up or they email me because they were at the wipe-down station, and they looked up, and there's my ad. So I may be hitting a small amount of people, right? I'm only hitting the Robbinsville, New Jersey area with this advertisement. But... If I'm getting two, three, four, five clients a month, or if I'm getting 10 prospects a month, now all of a sudden, not only am I blowing out my return on investment, because all it takes is one or two clients, and I'm you know, way ahead of the game as far as advertising for the whole year, but 
I'm now getting those clients. So for the next six months, I get 10 legit coaching clients. Now all of a sudden, that's 10 testimonials. And now I have that database. Now I'm starting to grow my business. And because I've made all that money, now I can start to kind of branch out. So maybe at first, I'm really focused on, you know, this southern New Jersey area. Then I make some money. I reinvest. Now I focus on old New Jersey. Then I focus on the northeast. Then I focus on the east coast. Then I start to go to the Midwest. So for me, I'm not trying to hit, you know, everybody across the country on Facebook. I'm trying to hit people in my own backyard because I'm I'm not trying to get 100 clients right away. I'm trying to get those 10 clients because I'm building upon that. And that's what works for me because my brand is better served in this local area because I want to hit those parents and I want to say, I live in your area. You can actually physically meet me because you live in the right. same town. So you know that I'm real. And now all of a sudden, I'm reaching, I've found a way to reach my target audience in a very intimate setting because, you know, they may, they may ignore a Facebook ad, but they're much more likely to see my ad because it's on there every day and they're going to the same class two or three times a week. So that's really been working for me. And now I'm going to get more clients, which is more testimonials. And then when I start branching out, I can reach out to people in New York and I can say, hey, here's my testimonials. And now all of a sudden I'm starting to infiltrate another market. So to tie that back into social, as far as companies are concerned, should you have social channels? Absolutely. I think you should have a Facebook page because there is data that shows people use Facebook as a search engine. I think you should have a LinkedIn page. I think that's kind of obvious. That's kind of where the company is. Um, Twitter, I'm not a big fan of Twitter. Um, some people yeah. use, use it well. I think if you're not on Twitter, you're okay. Um, Instagram is tricky. I think Instagram is obviously wildly popular, but are you a business that has enough content to post on a regular basis? Um, so I think that, you know, I think you really need to understand what social channels are right for you, but don't fall into this trap where you have to advertise on social uh, because for some people, it's just, it's just not worth it. Um, you know, you're, you're, you know, especially when you're starting out, you should try to find creative ways uh, like I did because, you know, my, my advertising package at the gym also gives me two days a month where I set up a table and I meet these parents. So now you have these parents who see my ad every day, and now they walk out of a class one morning, and I'm there. I'm in the flesh, you know, and it's palm to palm. You know, you're shaking hands. You're giving something away. You're having real conversations with them. They see your passion. I mean, you can't do that through a Facebook ad. Like, I get that if I want to get clients in California someday, I'm going to have to, you know, do more mass advertising. But... If you're if all you're trying to do is build an, is build a network and build a database and get those testimonials and generate some income so you can reinvest in advertising, you mean you can't be you know talking to people face to face. And I think that's what you know I would say to anybody who's trying to do is, is start local and have really a long term thinking plan. I mean I can go into long term thinking you know in great depth and we can talk about that later if you want, but. That would be my advice because social media, everyone's doing it now. So it's becoming very oversaturated. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I feel like starting local is probably even a better strategy sometimes, especially if you're trying to do like a startup like yourself or if you're just really trying to understand the market. Go to your local area where you can meet people and then do the double, right? Follow them online. And then you really have an instant connection and you have a long-term relationship. So I think that's a great way. It's a great alternative if you don't want to be on every outlet because not every outlet is for every person, right? Like you said, Twitter is not meant for people. 
in a sense that, hey, there's, there's a lot of, I don't like to say negativity, but there's just a lot of interesting things you see on there. And is it really going to be a positive message if you just hear the same things over and over? And then you say, oh, you're great flow with Instagram. It's great. But how you use it is effective, right? Do you use it for effective content? Do you use it for effective brand? Do you have enough content? Uh, but, but I think the, the biggest one I think you said is, especially it's probably the biggest point, and we talked about this, it's not overnight, right? It's nothing's built overnight. So using those small targeting niche audiences, like, like you said with the advertising at the gym you, you were talking about, never know. I can attract like a fitness in, like a fitness side group, right? And they uh, they might say, well, what's this? Maybe they know people, right? It doesn't. It's not about sometimes about the uh, audience member. If they know someone, they know what's going on. They know uh, a student, maybe in your case, or some type of college graduate that could use some assistance. You're the guy. So it's important to keep that in mind. Always have a two, three options behind the scenes to make sure they can get where they want to be for sure. Yeah, and one other thing I would say about social media. Um, is I don't ever worry about um, the number of followers I have or the number of yeah, likes yeah. I get because I'm not terribly concerned about popping up in people's news feeds. What I want is I want to create a page that's really kind of a walking advertisement because I want when somebody finds my website or finds me to go to my Facebook page and see, for example, like I, if I post pictures from a speaking engagement and nobody likes it, I don't care. I'm not asking for likes. What I want is I want that album to sit there for six months. And when somebody who's thinking about booking me comes and they see the album, then they book me. Because if you told me I could get you 100 likes or one speaking engagement, I'll always take the speaking engagement. Because the likes are nice, but at the end of the day, they're not paying the bills. So what I would say is, you know, create a Facebook page, create a LinkedIn page, and even if nobody's really paying attention to it, understand that the day will come where somebody will go to your website, check you out, click the social icon, and they will do business with you because they're impressed with all the content you have on that page. And the reason I stay away from Twitter, you know, I, I mean, I tweet, but I don't really cra- I don't craft anything for Twitter. It's kind of I craft it for LinkedIn or Facebook, and then Twitter gets the leftovers. Um, is because I don't think a lot of when people are looking on a desktop, they'll go to Facebook, they'll go to LinkedIn, but they're not really going to Twitter. And it's hard to create an impressive page on Twitter. So. I'm not really worried about people following, you know, finding me. I want people to have a page that they can go to and be impressed with. Um, you know, my Instagram page is a great, you know, I'm, I'm on Instagram at Kyle G Speaks, and it's a great kind of overview of everything I do and the things I'm involved with. Um, you know, and I get, you know, 20, 30 likes, and a lot of the people are, are my friends, but it's not necessarily about posting something and getting 100 likes. It's about posting something and someone down the line seeing it and then booking me because of it or sending me a direct message because of it. Um, and I think that's that's the way I approach social, and I think a lot of people don't do that, and I'm sure there's people out there that would completely disagree with what I said, but I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, what do you want? you want likes or you want business? Right. I mean, the likes are like the uh, the appetizers, right, or the, uh, the cherry. They're dangling right in front of you. Is it worth it? Is it not? Uh, will you make a difference with it? Probably not. No one's going to know how many likes you get on tomorrow's post. <laughs> no one's going to know was that really important to me uh, on yesterday's post. It's really about for yourself what connections you can make to not only build a relationship but build that um, 
build that base, right? You can build that base to get you further. And sometimes it is the base that will not only excel you, but it will really put you in a better place compared to what you were trying to do two, three years ago just off of life. So I think it's important to focus on your priorities, right, but also know what's more appealing. Is Is it going to be the like, or is it going to be business four years down the line for sure? Uh, so we're getting close actually to the end. It's only supposed to be around 50 minutes, but uh, we'll, we'll touch on a couple more topics. Uh, when it comes to just looking at the, the landscape of today's kids and the landscape of school today, what are your thoughts on just today's landscape and, and what you can do to help this next generation and even some of the uh, teachers you work with at your speaking conferences? I know you do some speaking engagements. So what have you learned as of now when you're speaking engagements, and what do you plan on uh incorporating as you continue with that? My biggest goal is to help students understand that they have a tremendous amount of power and they have a tremendous amount of control. And I want them to understand that they need to prepare themselves because becoming an adult is complicated. Entering the workforce is complicated. And I want them to understand that those two things take up a lot of your time. When you add up the amount of time you spend at a job plus your adult responsibilities, cooking, cleaning, grocery shopping, doctor's appointments. You throw in the amount of time it takes to get ready for work, commute to and from work, and then the amount of sleep you need to execute all those items. You're talking about over two-thirds of your week. Two-thirds of your week is, is really booked up. And that's a long, large amount of time to be unhappy at something. So I think that alone should kind of, you know, make some students sit up and help them understand that you better take this seriously because otherwise you're going to end up in a job that you hate. And you're going to be miserable for two-thirds of your week and two-thirds of your life. And that should scare people. Um, and I know that sounds a little negative, but it's true. And the reason I say it is because there's a lot of graduates out there who tell me, point blank, you know, I'm miserable. Um, you know, I, I love my family and I love my friends, but I spend a lot of time being stressed out for no reason. And I wish somebody would have told me that my career was going to end up like this because I would have taken a radically different path. So I want students to understand that. Um, I also want people to understand that the issue here is not with the teachers. It's not with the schools. Um, I mean, I think the curriculum could probably be improved in some areas, but that's not really up to the teachers. I think it's important to understand the teachers are really up against it. Um, they're being judged very harshly, usually unfairly. Um, we're, we're, we're testing kids. You know, the government is, is forcing us to test kids one way and, and kind of grade them one way. And you know, you could be a you could have a brilliant mind, but not be so great at taking tests, and you're labeled as a failure, um, because the only thing we're grading you on is is taking tests. And there are a lot of teachers there out there that are underpaid, you know, woefully underpaid, underappreciated, are constantly dealing with you know politics or you know the government, you know, cutting their budgets. So I think that the important thing to understand is that teachers are really up against it. Um, so it's really not the teacher's fault uh, that we're having this issue. It's really not the school's fault. Uh, I blame a lot on the government, uh, state governments, local governments. I think they need to do a better job of paying teachers, um, of listening to teachers so we can retain those great teachers. Um, and they, these great teachers don't feel like they have to um, leave their jobs, you know, paying them enough where they can go home and rest and not have to take a second job and burn themselves out. Um, I think that there's a lot of that going on, and we need to address that. Um, and I think it's important to understand that the issue is that these students are not paying attention because they don't necessarily know that they're supposed to. I think the other issue is that we as a society are telling kids 
You have to decide what you want to be right away, and you don't. If you're telling kids that you have to find a secure, secure job and pay into retirement and, you know, you you know, life is about going to work, watching a little television, and then going to sleep. And it absolutely isn't. And we're also building a culture that you're supposed to be miserable at your job. Um, we're creating consumerism around this idea. I mean, take a few take a few days this week and really watch the commercials and watch the ads you're being served, especially if you're a working professional. And you will see that there are a lot of companies that craft marketing strategies around you being unhappy. You know, vacations are not about, you know, you don't see vacation ads saying, hey, time to recharge your batteries. It's about, you know, want to get away? You know, like your life is miserable. Do you want to get away? I mean, alcohol advertisements are really about, you know, drowning your sorrows. Um, there's a lot of restaurants that say, hey, why don't you, you know, your your day is miserable, so come spend your lunch hour with us. Um, so we kind of built this idea that you're supposed to be miserable at your job. You're supposed to hate your employer. You know, you're, it's supposed to be a war between you and your employer, which is insane. You should be working together to solve real-life problems. And if you don't think the company you're working for is solving problems, then don't work for the company. Um, so I think that that's a lot of different issues. And I, I, I mentioned that I, I want that to be, you know, in the forefront because when I coach students, I'm not a substitute for teachers and any stretch of the imagination, but teachers are teaching you the different skills that you need to know. Um, you know, you may be in a history class or a science class and say, how does this pertain to me? And you know what, in the long run, it might not pertain to you because you might not, you might not explore a career in science or history, but you won't know that until you try it. You won't know that you hate math until you've, you've tried it and you've learned it. And you have to understand that it is part of a game. And you have to do well in math because you have to get good grades. You know, it, and, and it's not you have to get good grades because somebody's saying it or because I'm telling it. It's because if you know what kind of life you want to build, if that life requires you to get that secondary education, that college education, well, colleges are going to look at you because you're getting good grades. And when you get good grades, that means you've developed habits and you're developing work habits and study habits and you're developing a mindset. So you may you may get an A in a class and say, I'm never going to use that again. But what you really did was because you got that A, you created a mindset and you developed a skill set that's going to help you when you enter the workforce. So I think it's important to understand how everything is kind of connected to each other and really about how much power a student has. Because what I do is I just... I just work with students, and I just unlock what they already have. You know, life is based a lot more than you think about what you have inside you right from the start. So a lot of these kids have that passion. They have that drive. It's just about a new voice coming in and unlocking it for them. Yeah, man, you make, you make a good point. It is that new voice, right? Because everything's unknown. You don't know what you don't already know, or you don't know what to expect if you don't really know or have the experience to expect. So, it's not really about the expectations. It's about really being open-minded, as you said, top of the show, having that open-minded approach, uh, not going into a certain direction because you're getting forced into it, or even better, not getting forced into a direction and say, well, this is this is it. This is my only path. I don't see any way out of it. So it's important to stay humble, stay open-minded, stay, uh, not religious, but stay uh, relatively conform to your beliefs. You don't also want to open the book up to the point where it's like, well, all my beliefs stink. And, and, you know, but it's important to understand that you're just part of this journey. You're part of the process. It's not going to uh, be easy. It's not going to be hard if you don't want to make it hard. You can you can find a way to uh, work hard and still get the results you want 
and you don't have to work as hard in a sense because in a sense you work hard, but if you can find a way and you do all the right things, you create less stress, you've done a good job. You've figured out a way to bridge the gap, and that's important in today's day and world for sure. Um, but we're kind of getting close to the end, man. I don't want this to be 45 minutes, but this is a great interview so far. Uh, what are some things you expect with the company? And uh, tell me a little bit about how you're going to move forward with that. Sure. So, like I said in the beginning, what we are is an educational coaching and services company. Uh, in the forefront, we offer uh, one-on-one coaching to students, and we offer different packages based on your needs. Um, and we're very cost-effective in that way. We want to make sure that students are able to afford these services. You know, I see um, coaching packages sometimes that are very, you know, expensive, and that's not what I want. I believe that, um, you know, you are going to be able to select a package. You know, our payment plans are very budget-friendly, and the idea is that you, when you're done with that package, you select a new student package, and and we continue to work together for years, and it's very cost-effective. So if you know a high school or college student, um, I would invite you to visit my website, which will be in the show notes, but it's to the next step.org. So it's T-O, the next step.org. And fill out a form, and in the comments, let me know that you heard my podcast interview here on this podcast, and you will get 10% off of any coaching package that you choose. Um, and in addition, I'll give you a free one-hour introductory call I will spend it talking to you as a parent, but I'll also spend it talking to a student. Uh, we can do 30 minutes with each or 15 to 45, whatever works for you. But if, you know, if the coaching is something that you're interested in, I would invite you to you know, simply either fill out a form or if you want to find me on Instagram, I'm at Kyle G Speaks, uh, which again we'll throw in the show notes. Send me a direct message. Say I heard about you on the podcast and I'd like to take you up on your free introductory call. And like I said, if you sign on for a package, you get 10% off, um, which is a nice little chunk of change back in your pocket. Uh, So that's kind of what's at the forefront. We also just dropped a, um, we just released recently a on-demand course. Um, So it's an on-demand course for $100. And again, we have a very budget-friendly payment plan if you choose to go that way. Um, But it's $100 and it's called How to Select the Right College for You. So if you have a student or you know a student that is in high school, at some point, if they're not in it already, they're going to be choosing a college. And there's a lot of information out there about the college application process, uh, SATs, college essays, college interviews. But what we talk about is something different. We talk about selecting the right college for you. We talk about how to interview colleges, how to get the most information out of them, what questions to ask on campus tours, how to connect with alumni, how to decide what type of environment you need. We spend a whole lesson talking about the type of student body size you, you, you can thrive in, the type of class size you would do well in, whether or not you should be going away to school or, or not. So that's something that, again, I would invite people to visit the website um, and check that course out. I think that's a great way to, you know, if, you don't, if you're not ready for coaching, those, those courses can be consumed on demand. So that's kind of our, our, our backbone services. And also, like I said, my book is available. Um, again, if you're just wanting to dip your toe into the water of what we're talking about, my book is, is available print and digital. Um, I would invite you to go ahead and read it. And we'll all reach out to you, uh, you know, a couple weeks later to see how you're doing. And maybe at that point you're interested in some coaching. And if not, then you enjoy the book and pass it around and, and I've done my job. Um, and lastly, you know, I'm a youth motivational speaker. I do keynotes. I've addressed you know, audiences of 200, 
I also do classroom workshops. I've talked to kids of 30, of 30 students. So if you are an educator or you have an event or a conference, I would invite you to, again, visit my website or send me a message, and we can, we can have a conversation. Uh, my, my keynotes and workshops are very budget-friendly, um, mm -hmm. especially if located in the northeastern area where travel is not too bad. Um, but, you know, regardless, uh, I'm, I'm always willing to have a conversation with anybody. So, you know, find me on my website. My email, again, we'll throw in the show notes, but it's kyle at to the next step org. And as far as the future of the company, short term, it's really about building our coaching base. It's really about um, helping as many kids as possible because I think once you start coaching, I think you'll continue to sign up for additional packages. And our coaching is designed to help you grow. We talk about specific learning objectives. Every student has uh, specific objectives. And I think one of the unique things about our coaching packages is that at the end of the session, a student can assign homework to the coach. You know, I'm the one doing the coaching. And if a student is confused about something, for example, if they are trying to figure out which, which internship is right for them for the summer, I will do the research. Now, don't get me wrong, I challenge them to do their own research, but because I have the background of working with different companies, I will look at those companies, I'll put together pros and cons, and I'll give my advice to the student on which one they should do. Um, if there's a topic that they're confused about or they're overwhelmed about as far as preparing for either college or the real world, you know, if they're trying to choose between two colleges, I will, you know, take the time out in between sessions to do research and give them my opinion. So I think that's something that's unique that I really want to build on because I want the student to be able to kind of utilize myself. Um, obviously, if they have questions that I don't feel I'm an expert on, I can reach out to my vast network that I'm constantly building. So the future of the company is really about building the coaching. It's about getting as many copies of my book out there as possible. Um, you know, I challenge people when they buy it, share it with a friend when you're done with it. Um, and it's really about spreading this message because it's needed. Um, that's the word I hear. Whenever I have a conversation, I go to a networking event. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was at Rutgers University for an event, mm -hmm. um, a networking event that I was invited to, and I was having a conversation with a few Rutgers employees. And they, they use those exact words, you know, what you're doing is needed. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of people can benefit from it. Uh, so I think for me, it's really about building the company. And I think in a few years, the long-term plan is to bring other coaches on, to bring other speakers on, um, and to really build this out to reach people on specific topics. I think in a few years, I'll bring on someone to talk about financial literacy, to talk about female empowerment, to talk about... Um, you know, growing up as a disadvantaged youth in the inner cities. So I talk to people about that. Um, and I think, you know, the, the fundamental message of taking control of your future uh, is something that we're always going to find ways to, to build on. Um, you know, I have two products in mind that I think are probably going to be included in our 2020 roadmap that I think are going to be tremendous for students. And when we launch them, I'll come back on and talk about them. I don't want to spoil it just yet. It's, uh, it's definitely a vision that's strong and has a lot of momentum, and I think the next six months are going to be really exciting for us. I mean, just to even just to kind of wrap it up here, man, you have that passion, right? You have the drive to just be that natural curator to help and understand the market, in a sense, because you've been through the ringer. You've been through that corporate life. And then when you bring it here to more, I don't even want to say like startup, but just the Kyle show, in a sense, right? You should give your mind like, everything you do, especially when you're trying to do independent, it's almost like you're running your own show. You're the producer, executive, director, filmmaker, all that. And the more you vision it, the more you build out storylines for the future, 
the more you understand the storylines and the more you uh, go, you'll realize that uh, you not only realize, but you, you will feel like you can go further because you have that passion, that drive to get up every day saying, I'm helping someone. I'm, I'm making sure the future is better. So I applaud you for that. And to any student listening to this out there, definitely give this a check. Like Kyle said, the 10% code will definitely help you in the program. And, uh, well, man, it's been a pleasure. Any, any other outlets before we go that people can reach on other social platforms? Yeah, I mean, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you know, my suggestion would be the easiest way to get a conversation started for me is, you know, I just, you know, follow, you know, find me on either Instagram or Facebook at Kyle G Speaks. I'm on Twitter as well. Um, but really just, you know, visit my website, fill out the form or email me and, you know, I'll shoot you all the information so you can follow me wherever you'd like. But I'd really love to just have a conversation, I think, with anyone who um, is interested, who, ha- who has a student, knows a student. Um, because, again, like I said, I mean, it's a free 60-minute introductory call. Um, and after that, I give, you know, an entire pitch. I personalize it. I send you a presentation. And you know what? Even if we don't go further, you still get value from that free call. And if you do pick, choose a... a uh, a package, you know, you get 10% off, which, again, is some money back in your pocket, um, I think is, is very valuable. So if you're a parent or a student or you know somebody, I would invite you to um, visit my website, fill out the form, or send me a direct email, and I'm happy to have a conversation with you. And I think at the very least, I can give you some advice to help your student, or if you are a student, I can give them advice, um, you know, on, on kind of some basic things to do. And uh, like I said, I mean, there's something for everybody right now. If you want to dip your toe in, you know, you buy the digital copy of my book. It's 10, 10 bucks digital copy. Um, if you buy the print copy, I'll sign it for you. Um, so I think that's something that, you know, maybe incentive to those that like, still like the hard copy. But the hard copy is 20 bucks. But, uh, I mean, I would say this. Please buy it off of my website um, because if you buy it anywhere else, I won't know that you bought it. So if you buy my book anywhere else, I can't sign it for you. I can't send you personalized information. I can't email you. Um, so I would invite you to buy it off of, you know, my website um, because also I'll know that you bought it. And then if you want to take advantage of the discount somewhere down the line, I have you in my database. Um, you know, if you are, you know, select time at select college, if you know a student, you're a student, you're overwhelmed by something, you know, when it comes to choosing colleges, our, our course is a hundred bucks. Um, and I think that that's, doable for a lot of people and if you're saying that you're interested and you're not that you don't think that's doable we have a payment plan um and my biggest thing i would say is that i don't ever want to deny my services to anybody based on money so if you reach a point where you want to select something you want to purchase something from our company but you don't know if you can afford it you and i will work together i'm not going to send you to somebody else you're going to talk to me the founder of the company and we will work together to make sure your student is educated um, so don't ever want money to be an object. That's why I offer the 10% right off the bat. That's why I offer the one-hour call. We can get to know each other. Um, you know, I'm I'm here to work with you. I'm here to help your students. So I think that's really important. Um, you know, and again, if you really th- if you have a student and you think you're ready, we have three different coaching packages. And I think the higher ones are probably the more beneficial ones. But if you're not ready and you kind of want to just get to know me, we have a, a three-session course, a three-session package. It's very cost-effective to kind of get to know each other and lay the groundwork. So, again, if you're interested at all, send me an email. Even if you don't want to have the conversation, even if you just want to be on my mailing list, fill out the form. You'll get my monthly newsletter. 
And when the time is right, even if it's a year from now, you could say, hey, I heard you on that podcast last year. I want to get that 10% discount. And I'll definitely honor it because I think once you're in, once you start taking the journey with us, you're not going to want to leave. So I'm very confident that, you know, you, you start small and we'll work together for years on end. Awesome, man. That's a great way to end the interview. Guys, definitely check out Kyle's stuff. He's got some great stuff going on. Uh, he's from, like you said, he's up from North, northern New Jersey. If you want to connect with him in the Robinsville area, go for it. And, uh, my man, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for taking time out of your morning. No, I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you for joining us today on the United Podcast Experience. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe so that way you can stay up to date with all of our guests. Check the description for all the links pertaining to everything discussed today. And if you want to be promoted or know somebody who should be, reach out to us at United Promotion on Instagram. Be sure to follow us there as well to stay up to date with all of our guests.